0: Quad Vancouver, free game, post game, every game. Presented by Bodog from Sports Odds to free casino games. Make a play at bodog.net. Wadden and JPAT here with you once again. Another edition of the post game show as the Canucks fall 4-1 to the LA Kings in a game that, uh, well, it was LA Kings hockey, J They're like a boa constrictor, that team. They just love to squeeze the life out of you. And they did that tonight to the Canucks.
1: Yeah, that second goal, the second LA goal, the only goal of the second period, sort of summed up the game. Like it was just nasty, ugly, but it looked pretty damn good to the LA Kings because it, you know, you just crossed the goal line. That's all it has to do off a a scramble in front of Thatcher Demko. Uh, That was a power play goal that put the Kings in front. And once they got the lead, you're right, just kind of sucked the the life and the air right out of the Vancouver Canucks. And uh, yeah, the Canucks did have a lead at one point in this hockey game. Uh, Lasted all of about eight minutes, and then from that point on. Uh, the Kings do what they've been doing to everybody. They clinch a playoff spot with the victory. They get to 100 points on the season. It was their 20th road win, and they were playing back to back. They were in Seattle on Saturday, and it looked early on like maybe the Canucks could take advantage of that. Brock Besser yeah. opens the scoring. The Canucks outshoot the Kings 13 to five in the opening period, and then it seemed like the Kings settled into the hockey game. They lost Alex Edler in the first, and you wonder if that's it for him and playing at Rogers arena. I mean, this is the Kings last visit. He's out of a contract after this. Uh, Hopefully he's not injured and that he can play again this season, but uh, I would think that's the last time we see Alex Edler as a player in the National Hockey League on the ice at the Raj. So uh, unfortunate for him, he goes down early in the Kings again, like they've just got this thing in such a lockdown mode. Todd McClellan's got them playing terrific hockey. And we know that offense generally isn't an issue for the Vancouver Canucks, but man, was it ever after the Vester goal, Uh, just not a whole lot happening in terms of chances. They generated a little on a third period power play. Uh, JT Miller had a crossbar. Andre Kuzmenko had a couple of looks. But, uh, man, just, uh, yeah, I mean, credit to the Kings, the way they're doing this. They have held opponents to two goals or fewer in 14 of their last 15 hockey Mm -hmm. games now, and the playoffs are in the air. Like, can they continue to play this way? What if they draw the Oilers again for a second straight year? like can they lock the Oilers down i mean nobody can lock the Oilers down so what a challenge that's going to be for the LA Kings but look they've got designs on winning the division and maybe even finishing first in the conference and so two more big points they creep within a point of Vegas that Leapfrog past the Idle Oilers but this is a Canucks post game show so let's focus on what the Canucks did or or didn't do and you know unfortunately one of the storylines coming in was Elias Petterson on the verge of you know rewriting the Canucks record book or at least joining uh, Peter Nedved and Todd Brutuzzi for the longest point streak in franchise history that's as quiet as we have seen all and oh, like yeah. not just in the, not just the point streak obviously the streak comes to an end but just start to finish in a hockey game uh he just didn't have it and I'm sure the Kings were focusing on him but uh PD just didn't have it on Sunday night
0: yeah one shot on six attempts he was a dash one in the game you're absolutely right uh Petey was not uh, his finest tonight and it's unfortunate that the uh, the streak snaps but One streak lives on, J-Pat. The Canucks not making the playoffs.
1: It is official. At around 6.30 Pacific time, when the Winnipeg Jets dusted the New Jersey Devils 6-1, that was it for the Canucks. Winnipeg picks up two points, and even if the Canucks had won, it didn't matter. If Winnipeg won its game, uh, the Canucks have run out of games and runway to catch. So it was inevitable. Uh, You can make the argument they really were... Eliminated from the playoffs seven games into the season when they went over in those first seven and we're playing catch up ever since. But yes, the death certificate was signed. Uh, the Canucks will not make the playoffs seven of the last eight years now, uh, for the Vancouver Canucks on the outside looking in the only postseason appearance, the bubble in Edmonton when they were invited to an expanded playoff tournament. So yeah, it is, uh, just a continuation of a dark, dark decade. Got to go back to 2015, the last time that they made the playoffs. And as the higher seed ended up, you know, home ice advantage and they got bounced by the Calgary Flames. And that's it. I mean, that's the last time playoff hockey was played at Rogers Arena. And I pointed out on Twitter that if they don't make the playoffs next year in the spring of 2024, then it's going to be at least because there's no guarantee they'll make it in 2025 either. But if they don't make it next year, it will be at least 10 full years between home playoff dates at Rogers Arena in Vancouver. It's just incredible. That's
0: rough. That is absolutely rough. Uh, Alex Ayafalo I- had himself a game tonight. Wow. I know we I know we wanted to focus in on, on the Canucks, but a little bit hard to uh, at times here considering that there wasn't a lot of uh, uh events sort of to speak of for the Canucks. But you talked about Kuzmenko getting a chance in the third period. And He not only got a chance, he had a goal. If it wasn't for Ayafalo, a great stick, he's right in the slot. It was on the power play. Uh Kuzmenko looking like he had a wide open net. I don't know if Corpusalo uh, would have gotten that one, but Ayafalo with a great stick, two goals tonight. He has two assists. Uh, last night against Seattle, and he was just... Uh, he, he was all over the place tonight. Uh, Alex Ayafalo. Like, yeah. He was basically what? Elias Patterson tonight.
1: And it speaks to the depth of these LA Kings. Yeah. It's like, you know, their star power is... Essentially, it's the group. It's the, the winning by committee. I mean, yes, Kevin Fiala has having an incredible season and is emerging as a star. He didn't play. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're didn't being cautious him. with him. He played in Seattle on Saturday, but they didn't want to play him back to back. He's coming back from a, a knee injury. Uh, we talked about the fact that Alex Edler didn't play. So they went down to 5D in the hockey game. Mikey Anderson, who's usually Drew Doughty's defensive partner and is, you know, sort of emerging as a real stabilizing force on the back end. Uh, he was injured in Edmonton the other night. And so, yeah, I mean, this isn't the team at full strength, and they still kind of put it on cruise control once they got uh, the lead and were able to dictate the way the game was played. And Alex, I have follow, you're right. Uh two goals. He's also the guy that's at the center drive on the Cali of goal that yep. you know absolutely put cold water on the Canucks comeback, be it it's two to one at that point. Uh and the Kuzmenko chance that you talked about on the power play, it's a two on hockey game then. Like it, it, that would have tied the game and he didn't score then, and then remember uh, Kuzmenko from Hughes, uh, Drew Doughty sort of slipped and fell and became a two-on-one from the blue line in, and Hughes got it over to Kuzmenko. You know, one of the guys that you would want with the puck on his stick with five and a half minutes to go. It was three to one by then, but still, you know, if he scores there, it's a one-goal game. Uh, But really, those were the chances Uh, JT Miller off the crossbar on a late power play. Uh, but, but Corpusello got a piece of that one. That
0: wasn't Peter bar. You're right. Yeah. No, yeah. you're right. And, Miller and, had a chance and, in the second as well, that Dowdy like cleared it. Cause it got behind Corpusello. Now Corpusello, it was moving slow. So he might've been able to uh, get it himself, but a good play there from Dowdy. Yeah. I mean, the Canucks, they had a few chances, but for the most part, LA just, they just keep you to the side and you notice the way they, they, they pressure you when you try to come out of your own zone as well. Right. Like that one guy comes in really, really hot and then whoop, they're right back. And they are so well-structured. They're a well-coached team, that LA Kings.
1: I love it when you bring the sound effects to <laughs> uh, to rink-wide. Uh, I'll bring some numbers. You bring the sound effects. Hey, we've All got right. a podcast. Yeah. Um, speaking of some numbers, like, you know, again, there, there was nothing. The Canucks aren't playing for anything, so you don't expect a ton of desperation I would have liked to have seen a little bit more in the way of getting the puck to Pedersen on those power plays to try to keep his, for all that he's done for this team this year. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I would have pulled the goaltender on the last power play, tried six on four. Uh, again, all with an eye, just extending Pedersen's streak at that point. Uh, whatever the case, they got Demko out and then the Kings scored in an empty net. But, you know, you just look at the numbers here, like the, the third period, the Kings out the Canucks 14 to four. Like when we say the Canucks just didn't have it, Canucks got out shot 20 to nine over the final 40 minutes nine shots on goal now the Kings did that to the Canucks in LA a couple of weeks ago in the first two periods and then the Canucks had a better third it kind of felt like they were able to break the Kings down a little bit uh there was no breaking the Kings down and again for a tired team fourth game and a four-game road trip and playing back-to-back uh kind of thought that maybe you would see a little bit of fatigue on the part of the LA Kings but uh, they're dialed in they are and uh uh, they're going to be tough. Uh, Canucks will see them one more time down in Southern California in the final week of the regular season, but uh, six to go for the Canucks, three more here on the homestand and then out on the road for the final three. Uh, they are 0 for their last three now, uh, the two overtime losses to St. Louis and Calgary and then a regulation loss, so 0-1 and 2 in the last three hockey games for the Vancouver Canucks. But you know, you look at some of the advanced metrics too, high danger scoring chances over the final 40 minutes, just four for the Vancouver Canucks. So credit to the Kings, yeah. the system they play, and it just didn't feel like the Vancouver Canucks wanted to kind of break through. Uh the Miller line was the only line that was going. And credit to the Miller line. I know they were out there for the 3-1 goal against, but other than that, like the shots on goal were 15 to 2. With Phil D. Giuseppe on the ice and even strengthen this hockey game and just use him as a proxy for that line.
0: 15 to 2. Yeah, that's not good. That's not good at all.
1: <laughs> um, no, he good. It, it, oh, sorry, 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 sorry. 15, sorry, sorry, for, sorry, the sorry. 15 for, either, for the Canucks. Sorry. Yeah, no, 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 oh, no. Wow. That was the, only that line was going. And those three combined for 10 shots on goal. The Canucks only had 22 on the night, so almost half of the shots the Canucks generated uh, were from that line. They score the only goal, some nice work. Uh, Brock Besser in front of the net shakes off the check of Alex Edler and is able to deposit it. A bit of a bang-bang play there. And for Besser... And again, a continuation of this late season push. Yes, the games don't matter, but uh, he's up to 17 now with six games to go, so yeah. 20's not out of the question, and I guess that's, you know, put it on the list of things to watch here over the final, what is it, 10 days, I guess, uh, remaining in the, in the schedule. Uh, but no, that line was good. That line was really yeah, I'm good. Looking at it, it, yet, I'm
0: sorry, I'm looking at it now. <laughs> yeah. So little in this game from the Canucks that uh, you can sort of sink your teeth into, but yeah, you're absolutely right. That line was going. Brock Besser, too, 14 goals now in 15 career games against the kings like it's Which unbelievable what he does
1: yeah yeah that one's hard to explain uh, and it's funny because i was looking this morning and it was like i saw that jumped off the page i me. Mean, i was like wow like man has he had success against the kings and i knew he had scored i think his first two goals of the season earlier this year against the kings and scored the wrist shock goal that opened the scoring down at crypto.com a couple of weeks ago and then i thought okay well that's interesting he scored all these goals against the kings Has he had success against anaheim like is it something about southern california He scored one career goal against the Ducks and now has 14 career goals against the Los Angeles Kings. So go figure. Sticking it to the Kings. Uh, What what can we sort of
0: take out of this sort of late season uh, scoring push here from, from number six?
1: That he knows where the net is, that he hasn't forgot that part at the very least. But other than that, I mean, that line's playing well. JT Miller is playing well Di Giuseppe it's not just those two guys like for a while there I kind of thought all right Phil Di Giuseppe the coach has a bit of a, a crush on him and uh you know he just goes up and down his wing but but there's more than that to Phil Di Giuseppe like straight lines but he's effective he wins his battles and that line has been pretty good so Brock Besser you know he's holding up his end of the bargain but he's also benefiting I think, from playing with two other guys that you know they're just playing hard uh hard nose, four forecheck, win their battles type of stuff, and then Besser goes to the front of the net. And, you know, whether it's screening the goaltender, the tip in St. Louis the other night, it, 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 this is, you know, it, we, we still think of him as a sort of pure shooter goal scorer, but I think when you look at a lot of his goals, you know, he's having success a lot closer to the net, and... Maybe that's what he has to do to continue to do that. That, you know, goals from distance aren't scored as much around the national hockey league. It's just hard with all the bodies and the layers in front. And, you know, you got to be willing to get to the front of the net. Rick Tockett, when he talks about Besser, you know, he keeps saying that, you know, if he's willing to engage just a little bit more, uh, he thinks that there's a heck of a hockey player there. And so, uh, you know, maybe there's uh, some lessons here for Besser that, yeah, you got to fight through a little bit more. And, Go to the front of the net the way he did tonight. And, you know, he fans like Edler was all over him. I mean, Edler was kind of trying to haul him down there and he's still able to deposit the puck in the back of the net. So, uh, the knock is that these goals are coming essentially in garbage time in the season. And, and, and there is an element of truth to that. I mean, hey, yep. scoring goals in the NHL, it's not easy ever, but yep. you know, if you do this early on when the games do matter for the Canucks and you could put them ahead of the curve in terms of getting above the playoff bar and those types of things, those goals would matter more than goals here late in the season. But we've also said that, you know, if the Canucks are looking to move Besser in the off season, hopefully other teams are thinking, all right, like, you know, this Brock Besser, maybe there is something there. and Maybe you get a few other teams that, uh, you know, maybe teams that went kind of, turn their attention elsewhere, uh, maybe they are drawn into some of this. I mean, nobody's going to be fooled by it, but I'd rather him go into the summer, you know, feeling a little bit better about his game and and being productive, whether he's back as a Canuck or uh, if it's enough to get some attention around the National Hockey League. So 17, you know, 17 goals now with a a legitimate shot, the way that he and that line are playing. uh, He's on the top end of power play, like 20 certainly isn't out of the question when you think Chicago Anaheim, Arizona, among the final six opponents. I think one of the
0: keys that they've sort of figured out here, as they've uh, basically under Rick Tockett, is that JT Miller is a center, and uh, that's a that's a big plus for them now, right? Because when they were trying to figure that out at the start of the year, and then of course all the Horvat stuff with whether they're going to sign him or not, it's good that they figured that out, and that JT Miller can be can be leaned on because if you had to go into the offseason having to fill two C and three C. That oh would have been goodness.
1: tough. Yeah. Yeah. And even at the trade deadline with the talk about Pittsburgh and they were looking for, you know, mm-hmm. younger, ready-made centers, uh, the way that JT Miller has finished his season, y- you're not replacing a guy at th- that level with a a younger version of himself. You're just not. I mean, he's, you know, he- he's not at 99 points, but he, again, has been highly productive under this coach and been a lot more disciplined, uh, has played within talk it's system, done what the new coach has asked of him. And. You know he's having some success at both ends of the ice. So yeah, I mean that was the one line that was going. The other lines uh, not so much. We talked about Pedersen, and you know, it not very often do I go through a night where I look at uh, the chances that I write down on my my game sheet and I don't have Pedersen's name anywhere. Like he just wasn't on it. Yep. But it went a lot deeper than him. Uh, you know, the four on four goal that tied the game at one. Uh, what a shot by IFL. I didn't know that, uh, you could pull the trigger that way, but, you know, that was a and stood that were out there for the Canucks. Uh, didn't look great, uh, defensively. The breakdowns and the uh, King's able to work the puck around. You look at guys that are sort of under that microscope and running out of time here in the evaluation process. The line of Sheldon Dries with Aiden McDonough. And Jack Studnika got outshot seven zip. Now you can have that yeah, reaction that, that yeah, you had that earlier. Bad. Yes, yes. yes <laughs> bad. That is bad, uh, right? Yes. You know, and and look, Aiden McDonough had the high of high scoring uh in his home debut the other night, it just basically zeros across the board. You're not going to score every night, but a big body like that, you know, get noticed, be physical, finish checks and those types of things. And it just that didn't happen for him. Uh we talked about Studnika. Uh, doesn't generate a lot of offense, uh, but made a nice play on that McDonough goal the other night against the Flames. But, uh, they had yeah.
0: one chance tonight that that yeah. they had that rush chance that, uh, they tried to tip it with, with McDonough in front. Yeah, basically that was it. But yeah, as you look at the, it wasn't a great, I mean, he, he played 731, did McDonough. So he played more than he did, uh, the other night. But we got another guy making his uh, Canucks debut and yep. his NHL debut in Akita Hiroshi. And honestly, I, I like the kid. I like the way he breaks the puck out. He looks calm, didn't look out of place. Thought it was a good game for him.
2: No,
1: so did I. And I watched this one on TV like you. So I, you know, it's it's so much easier to evaluate sort of all over the ice when you're able to look on from the press box. Didn't have that option uh, tonight. But what I saw of him. You know, nerves didn't seem to get the best of him. Uh, and again, I think that speaks to just a little further along in the development curve uh, with his age. He's going to be 24 here before right. too long. Yeah. Um, uh, But I saw the same things you did, like for the most part, when he had the puck on his stick, it wasn't there long and, and made the right sorts of plays. You know, the, the one time uh, I noticed him defensively was... Uh, early in the third period, Kaliev came down and, and you know, it's NHL speed. And, and this is a guy that had one practice before he'd get thrown right in there. Uh, you know, I'm not surprised that leveling up, you know, at times was going to be an issue. And Kaliev was able to get a step around him and drive to the net. Uh, but they didn't score on the play. And so, you know, no harm, no foul there. Uh, yeah. I mean, overall, like, you know, I wondered, like, was size going to be an issue? Was he going to get uh, pushed around at all? Didn't notice that at all. Uh, 14 minutes and one seconds of ice time, you know, a couple of block shots as well. So stepping in there and, and doing his thing, uh, trying to put himself in front of some shots, one hit on the night. Uh, yeah, I mean, good for him, you know, for left side ice, uh, left side guys and ice time. I wasn't sure that there was going to be any because Quinn Hughes played 11 minutes and 16 seconds of the third period. <laughs> his final, final three shifts of the night, three minutes and 21 seconds. 2 minutes and 27 seconds, 2 minutes and 13 seconds. Now, there were a couple of power plays there, so he was out for the entire duration of the power play, but he finishes with 29 minutes and 38 seconds. Another night at the end of the season, meaningless ultimately for the Vancouver Canucks, and they just continue to lean on Quinn Hughes, but I'm glad that they found 14 minutes and change for Akito Hirose, and uh, Rick Tockett talked about it before the game. I mean, they're just, they are so banged up. Tyler Myers left this game at a point, and you wondered if he was going to come back, but he did. Uh, but also, they've used 15 defensemen now. Akito Hiroshi becomes the 15th defenseman that the Vancouver Canucks have used this season. And I went back, and, and that's a lot. Like, somebody had pointed out on Twitter this morning, the Dallas Stars have used seven. With a week to go in the season, it? the Dallas Stars, seven defensemen. Wow. Seven. And the Canucks have used now twice, more than twice as many, they have used 15 And you wondered, like when Myers went down, I was thinking to myself, like, (laughs) is he going to get to 16? Like, is Jet Wu going to get the call or Brady Keeper or somebody? But Myers did return to the hockey game. So uh, hopefully no damage done there. But, uh, man, it's going to be interesting to see how they patchwork uh, this blue line together with six games to go. Uh, You know, only one more set of back-to-backs. That's the L.A. and Anaheim games here uh, a week from now. Um, uh, you know, so there isn't that sort of the physical toll of having to play on consecutive nights other than the the one occasion, but, uh, but still like just the way guys have been dropping, like, can they, can the ones that they have healthy right now get through these final six or are they going to have to dig deeper into the farm system? I wondered too about like, you know, they, they shut Philip Hronick down, but like. We saw that he could play. Like could you go back to the guy and say like, uh, we've got a change of plans here. <laughs> we, we need you. I don't like I don't think they want to go down that road, but no. uh, maybe maybe Adam Foote could suit up for uh, a couple of late games." There you go. There you go. That makes heck Ga- a heck of lot more foot sense. Foot Gonchar on defense yes.
0: We got Foot and Gonchar. Yes. Yeah. Uh the uh, Calgary Flames ended up winning tonight, by the way. They pulled it out. So that game uh, next Saturday, sort of circling in on that one right now, that one could be quite tasty for Canucks fans. And you know, it always is a, a, a good atmosphere at Rogers Arena when the uh, Canucks and Flames are playing against each other, especially if the Flames have something to play for. They might get some extra boost out there, uh, get some extra people in the crowd perhaps, but uh, they're able well, to pull that one off.
1: Yeah, and look, we saw a desperate Calgary team the other night win in overtime. I didn't think the LA Kings looked that desperate. I didn't think they had to be that desperate. They just got the lead and then played their system. But, you know, you get the the Seattle Kraken coming in here on Tuesday. They are a point up on Winnipeg and only three in front of Calgary now. So where the Kraken looked like they were home and cooled out and they've come this far and made such progress in year number two, they have to make the playoffs. And so I would think that you're going to see a really desperate Seattle team. Interesting to note, Seattle at home on Monday before coming here on Tuesday. So earlier in the season, the Canucks didn't benefit from teams playing in Seattle the night before, but the Kings did it last night, and now the Kraken will do it and come in here. So the Canucks are going to see another team on the back end of back-to-backs on Tuesday, but the the, the Kraken just they can't afford any slip-up, any night off. They're a point in front of Winnipeg and only three points in front of the Calgary Flames. Now, they do have games in hand, but Games in hand ultimately only matter if you manage to pick up points. So, you know, it's funny for all the bitching around the National Hockey League about the change in or the the need to change the playoff format. And I still like I'm a one through eight guy. Yeah. But this thing is getting delicious here with 10 days to go on both sides. Like the Islanders have invited teams back into the mix on the East. And now you look at what's going on around the playoff bar, but also uh, above the playoff bar, like the, the jockeying for top spot in the conference like there's a ton to play for. There are big games basically every night from here on out. So uh the Canucks can be spoilers. They're gonna be involved in a few of these. As we said, they're gonna see the Kings again. Uh that could impact the way LA finishes in the division and home ice. Uh Calgary, it'll be fascinating to see what's at stake for the Flames by the time they get back here for the Canucks home finale on Saturday. And then the Kraken, the only real, like, meaningless game for the Canucks this week will be a visit from the Chicago Blackhawks. And, you know, the only thing that matters to the Blackhawks is trying their hardest to lose to, uh, you know, get to to the bottom of the standings as quickly as they can here. So, yeah, I mean, look, the Canucks eliminated officially tonight, but it's getting good around the National Hockey League. Except for Boston, who clinched in December. And and now they're just like rubbing it in, like they're resting all these guys and they're still mowing down a point. Like how demoralizing is that? That, you know, they go into Pittsburgh on Saturday, they rest Bergeron and they still beat the Penguins. And that's a potential first round playoff matchup. You're the Bruins and you're like, yeah, we don't even need to dress our best players and we can still be uh, just. Keep that in mind if we see a come postseason time. So yeah, I mean, this is why it's this is why it matters. Like you want a year from now, I want the Canucks to be in the thick of these types of things so that these post-game podcasts are exciting and fun and we're speculating on what's gonna happen in the remaining games. Uh, alas, not to be the Canucks, as we said, six games remaining, and they are truly playing out the string. They're 34, 35, and six now on the season are the Vancouver Canucks. And that home record that's been an issue all season long, 17 wins, 19 outright losses, and the OTL the other night against the Calgary Flames. So 17 wins and 20 losses uh, for the Vancouver Canucks on home ice this season. Just to
0: put how ridiculous the Bruins season is in perspective, they have almost as many home wins as the Canucks have total wins. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I know, right? You look at the number. You could spend all day looking at the numbers. Like it's just, it really is remarkable. 17, 19, and 2 are the Vancouver Canucks on home ice. Uh, I didn't give them the other uh, OT or shootout loss, I guess. Uh, early in the season, they lost in a shootout to Nashville, and then the other night to the Calgary Flames. So 17 wins and 21 losses, uh, if you're just doing it in the wins and losses for the Vancouver Canucks on home ice in front of the paying customers. Applewood Auto Group is celebrating 25 years of business, making the car business and our communities better. Applewood offers the best in-class experience, whether you're looking for a car, service, or to join our team. Come find out why it's all good at Applewood. Visit us online at applewood.ca today. and kids 17 and under can get in for 15. So bring the noise, fill the dome.
0: Wide Vancouver is presented by Bodog Sports Odds, Poker Tips, and Free Casino Games. It's time to play. Let's head into the dressing room. Hear from the head coach first how he felt
2: about this game. 2 on hockey. I mean, LA's a good team. They, they're uh, That's their DNA they can... They can play those two-one games and uh, not get an answered. We had a, we had we had three or four good looks. We missed the net. It could be a different game. And then obviously at the end, a couple of empty net goals or the empty net goal.
0: Yeah, I was going to say it was a four-one hockey game, but I think he, he was talking about when it was two-one at that point, and you know the fact that. The LA Kings just they 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 don't they weren't like you can see it they weren't squeezing their sticks like the Flames were the other night right you can see that they're a, a lot more confident a lot more uh, controlled maybe and then maybe it's just the fact that they you know have been playing good hockey all season long
1: yeah I mean I you know I, I look at the game in Los Angeles a couple of weeks ago Besser opened the scoring but then Alex Edler responded and then Grundstrom scored to make it two to one so the Kings took a two one lead in third. You know, I think the surprise that night was that they couldn't lock it down because they're so good at that. Uh, but that's when Elias Pedersen scored a power play goal from the, the right faceoff circle. Um, but this time they got the lead and, and they got it right. And so, you know, talking about wrong. I mean, there were a couple of chances, but you're tempting fate when you're down a goal and you, you know, can point like we did i mean you you can run through just off the top of your head you can run through the scoring chances that the canucks had we said they you know four high dangers over the final 40 minutes that's a difficult way uh to think that you're going to come back in hockey games and ultimately they did canucks have won a bunch lately uh they just they didn't have it for whatever reason give the kings credit they were able to dictate the way this game was played
0: well one of the reasons maybe perhaps that they didn't have it is uh What JT Miller said post game. He said that he thought the team is playing soft right now. And Rick Tockett was asked about those comments and whether he agrees with JT.
2: We got to address that, you know, whether it's personnel or whatever. We have to address a little bit. We're a little bit light in battle situations, and that to me is like body position, technique. You know, um, I find that you know in practice when we teach it and we do it, but for whatever reason when the pressure hits, we lose our technique. You know, whether it's your, your back against a guy with your stick, you know, somehow we're, we have our back against the, uh, against the boards. You can't play that way in this league. And, um, so yeah, that's why we gotta, you know, gotta de- develop some of those guys and we gotta find out who, who can do that for us. But yeah.
0: Yeah. And if you're one of those guys that's fighting to, you know, stay in the NHL, try to get themselves a job uh, for next year, those comments right off the start of that, you know, maybe it's the personnel, uh, have to be ringing in your ears right now because, You know, perhaps it is, you know, and that's obviously an area that they're going to have to address because he talked about just the fact that it can't always be the same guys that are in on the four check every single night. They got to get some more guys to be consistent with that.
1: Yeah. And it's interesting that this is something he's now mentioned a few times over the past week when they were winning all these hockey games. We weren't hearing that an awful lot. Now that they're on the wrong side of the score, though, uh, it's pretty clear that he is starting to see some things that uh, he's not that thrilled about. So only six games to get it right. There won't be many practices. Left either, so you know it'll be interesting to see how much can he harp on it and drill down and and actually work on it with only six games to go. And I would bet. I mean, they finish with three and four nights out on the road. Uh, I can't imagine that they would have much of a practice uh, between games eighty one and eighty two. So you know they'll probably have uh, two week two practices at home this week and probably a day off somewhere in there. Um, yeah. And I'm sure they'll do some video work and stuff as well. But, uh, you know, it's just, he's running out of time to have these teaching sessions. And yet at the same time, I'm sure he doesn't want this to be something that creeps in, you know, over the final six games. Like he's going to try to nip it in the bud and we'll just see if he has an opportunity to, to make the, the points that he wants to with the players that he's got right now.
0: Of course, Akito Hiroshi making his NHL debut tonight, uh, just on his NHL moment.
1: Yeah, I mean, seeing a couple of the other guys like Kopitar and Doughty, that was, that was pretty cool, but I don't know. It's just another another game at the end of the day. I feel, I feel like I've been playing, playing some big games in my college career, so I don't think it was anything different than those. You look comfortable. You feel comfortable. Yeah, I think it took a couple shifts to get going, but yeah, by the end, I, I felt pretty comfortable.
0: Can't wait till he has to face Connor McDavid. That'll be an eye opener, but uh, I like it. I mean, again, we have to go back to the fact that, as you mentioned earlier, like this is a twenty, soon to be twenty four year old player. Like this is a guy that would be, you know, a veteran right now in the NHL if he had started, you know, as a right out of uh, or out of the draft, really.
1: Right, but and that's the thing that you know, yes, he's making the jump right to the NHL from college to the NHL, but these guys come out of the NCAA; they're further along the development curve. Like, he's not going to have two or three years to figure things out. If he's going to be an NHLer, it basically has to happen for him. I'm not saying he couldn't go play a year in the minors, but, you know, if you're a 20-year-old and you get to, like, you know, look at Jet Wu or that kind of player, you know, you're spending a bunch of years in the minors and still hoping that you can make the jump to the NHL for a Rossi and a Max Sasson. You know, and Assassin's a little young. He's 22. But, um, you know, they just don't have three or four years of development time. So he's now got a taste of it. We'll see how many more games he gets in. Uh, Rick Tockett talked before the game about, uh, you know, Juleson's done for the year. Will Lannan, there was an outside chance that he could come back. But Brisebois didn't play, and apparently he's nursing something here. So, uh, you know, the time is right. Like, with six games to go, Hiroshi may get a run of games here. And now that he's got his feet wet, we'll see, you know, what does he take from it? How much does he learn? How much can he develop over these uh, final six games, 10 days, whatever it is that uh, the Canucks are still here uh, with games remaining on the schedule?
0: Well, the young man, he was pleased with his performance when he was asked about it game.
1: I mean, the guys helped me out a lot and just kind of talked me through it. So I thought it went pretty well. I thought I was just trying to play a mistake-free game and just help positively as as I could. I mean, he's
0: got that demeanor, right? Like, he just sounds like he's a chill guy. Like, and yeah. we've seen that from, you know, we see it in his play, really. Like, that's what it looked like to me out on the ice. Maybe like a Quinn Hughes light, so to speak. I don't think he's got the skating. Nobody, nor very few do, that is, of Quinn Hughes. But just uh, the way he sort of got around there, the way he moved the puck, like, I, I see that. And um, you, know, you can kind of see it from his demeanor as well.
1: You know, it's funny because the underlying numbers weren't terribly kind to him. Uh, Individual course of 33.3. The shot attempts were 16 to 8 uh, in favor of the Kings and even strength when he was out there. Uh, didn't get scored on. So there was, uh, no blood in that regard, but the shots on goal were seven three for the Kings as well, which tells you that, uh, you know, he was spending time in his own end defending, uh, mm-hmm. rather than getting the puck and, and getting it out of the zone. So again, not going to crush the guy based on one game. Cause we already said we like to the eye, it looked all right. But this is one of those times when you look under the hood and the underlying numbers, uh, weren't all that flattering to Akito Hiroshi. But again. Guy's big moment, gets in. He's got a game under his belt now. Let's see how many more he gets before the Canucks are done. And just one other thing, speaking of how many more games, did you hear Rick talk it before the game? He said his plan was for Colin Delia to get three or four of the remaining starts, which I'll believe when I see it. There's only six games to go now. Four, seem there's no way. Factory goes not just playing two of the final six. Like, I just don't see that happening. A 3-3 split, maybe. Uh, and again, there's the one set of back to backs, but, uh, you know, that'll be interesting. I mean, the plan now, the plan on day one of the job was to back Miller and Pedersen and Hughes off in the right time. And we know that that hasn't happened. So, uh, that's why I say I'll believe it when I see it. But, uh, Rick talking before the game saying that, uh, his plan at the very least was to get Colin Delia more than, you know, just one or two of the remaining mm. six games.
0: All right. Well, this week they got Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday all at home Seattle, Chicago, Calgary. I could see him playing the Chicago game there. Then the week after that, they got that back to back you talked about on the Monday and Tuesday in LA and then in Anaheim. I could see him playing the Anaheim game on the second half of that back to back. And then honestly, J pad in that final game of the season in Arizona at Mullet, I could see him. I could see him playing that game. Like, why not? Just why not give it to Colin Delia at that point? I mean, You know, Demko's going to want to play them all, but, you know, at that point, you know, what's, what's the gain really? Maybe just because they do have to fill that backup role. And, you know, maybe this is, could be a little bit of an extended audition here. I, I think they know what they got with Colin Delia, but maybe they want a couple more looks. Who knows?
1: Yeah. I mean, the way I look at it, I would think that Demko gets the home finale against the Flames. They're going to be handing out year-end awards, not that uh, he's in the running for one, but that's kind of, it's almost like opening night. It's closing night in front of the home fans. It's fan appreciation night. I would think that as an organization, you probably put Thatcher Demko in goal for that one. Uh, you know, beyond that, Delia has played the Blackhawks twice and beat them both times, and maybe throw him there for a third one. And then, yeah, I mean, it's possible that he gets two of the final three. You're right, game 82 in Arizona. Uh, talking about a an absolutely meaningless hockey game. So we'll see. I just to hear talk it say it. It kind of caught my attention because he's shown no sign whatsoever of any sort of platoon at any point here. Uh, now that Demko's been back, but you're right, Thatcher Demko has nothing left to prove to the Vancouver Canucks. Um, You know, he just wants to go into the season, into the summer. uh, I'm sure with a couple more solid performances to uh, know that he's fully back, but he's already shown that uh, with his performance to this point. But, like the team, uh, he's winless now in three uh, after falling in this one to the LA Kings. Of course, the uh, Canucks
0: officially eliminated from the playoff race. The head coach asked about that.
2: It sucks. I mean, uh, you know, I, I feel bad for the guys. I mean, obviously... You know, four months off sucks, but use it to your advantage. You know, the other teams are going to play late; we're not. So, what are you going to do with these next four months? It's not about. Uh, that's what I like to. That's the positive. If there is a positive, not making the playoffs, is you know, you there's no excuse not to come into camp in shape. Well, you, there will be a, if you if you do come in camp in shape, there'll be a problem. Put it that way. That's been the mandate. So, yeah, it sucks four months off. But uh, like I said, you know, we got some really good players here that want to win. And uh, they're going to lead the charge for us this summer.
0: I mean, when you come into the season when Talkett did, like the playoffs were pretty much out of the question at that point anyway. So you can see why, you know, someone like it, um, you know, really doesn't have the weight of that on his shoulders. But, you know, talks about the summer. Love that summer, you know, and, but he's not wrong. Like, and I, I, I like the perspective too, when he talks about how you get those extra months to sort of train while other teams are playing. Now, of course you want to be playing, but those are the times to really put that work in. And, and, you know, Listen, they're gonna make some trade or some moves this offseason. They're gonna to try to improve this team, but the players that are here are gonna to wanna to improve themselves. So there is something to be said about that, but at the same time, too, like try to sell that to the fans,
1: right? Yeah. And you know full well that he's gonna arrive here on the day before training camp. He's gonna stay and be asked about playoffs and, you know, the expectations for the hockey club and all that kind of stuff. And he's gonna say the same things Bruce Boudreau did last fall. And then it's like talk is cheap it's go time you know just do it don't we don't want nobody wants to hear about how this team is going to get there they just want to see this team get there and so uh you know they made the change when they did and these were 30 some odd games for talk it to get an evaluation to try to put some things in place but as we talked about earlier if they don't make the playoffs next year a full decade. I know that he wasn't on the job for 10 years and that Rutherford and Mean haven't been here for 10 years, but guess what? The fan base has, uh, the ta- the ticket buyers, the-, the paying customers, and it's just such a slap in the face to those people that have supported this team, and it's amazing how many have stood by this team uh, if they go a full decade between home dates at Rogers Arena when the games matter the most. And of course, we want them to, to stick by with us here at rink Vancouver, though, right? Yeah. <laughs> and kids 17 and under can get in for 15. So bring the noise, fill the dome.
0: Okay, time now for my dog best bet, and I hit it tonight. I had the Kings on the yeah. money line, and uh, I'm getting there. I'm creeping up on the Canucks now. That's my 32nd win of the season. Oh, race is so on. I am now 32 and 44 on the season, and as uh, mentioned uh, earlier in the pod, the Canucks up to 34 wins now. So I'm creeping, coming after you, Canucks, uh, trying to get as many wins as they do. And hopefully you made that bet tonight. Uh, I don't know. Just to me, it, it, I've talked about it on the pregame show. It just felt like the Kings like needed it. And I knew that they were going to be tired. And I mean, like didn't even have Fiala and they were still able to play their game, dictate the way that game played. Like if you're the
1: LA Kings, you're feeling really freaking good about this weekend. Right. Oh yeah. No, they lost in Calgary and Edmonton. And those were their first two outright losses in a while, but they bounced back in style. And now when we talk about these big games, like, they go home, they've got the Oilers and Vegas midweek here. So, again, there are just, like, monumental matchups. But, yeah, the way that they're playing, again, I you know, as long as Fiala's healthy, like, I would think that they rested him tonight so that he'll be ready to go in those games that matter to them. Um uh, but yeah, no, I mean, that's a nice bounce-back weekend, absolutely, to do it on back-to-back nights and to 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 be able to play their style and do their yeah. thing. And, you know, the other thing, too, with your pick on the money line, I mean, let's be honest, the law of averages at some point, the uh, Canucks weren't going to just continue to run roughshod over the teams from California. And if there was one of the three that was going to beat the Canucks, it was probably going to be the Kings. So that streak comes to an end at nine this year. The Canucks had won their first nine games against teams from the Golden State, but... uh uh that streak is over, doesn't reach double digits. So that's another streak that ended tonight. Not just Elias Pettersson, but the Canucks dominance of the California teams. Uh, they get spanked four to one by the LA Kings.
0: Let's get the game in a hashtag presented by Delaney's OK Tire and on Fraser Highway, that is, in Langley. Gonna go see the Delaney brothers here pretty soon. Get my winters taken off. Although we're getting a lot of snow in the North Shore Mountains right now. Might have to save that for uh at least a few more weeks. Uh, I'll start off with Bob, hashtag one for shrugs. Okay. Uh, at Strongbelly says hashtag Hiroshi to the occasion. Yeah, I see what you did there. Yeah. Uh, Soapbox says no game in a hashtag. Okay. <laughs> oh, all right. <laughs> all right well, then. Well, you did sorry, send man. it. So uh, Drew, yeah, sort of stating the obvious here, but uh, says hashtag long way from a playoff team. And uh, we'll finish things off with futs who says hashtag that game sucked. Second period was rough. It was it was a tough watch, definitely but, that. But again, that's Kings hockey, though. They're, it's they're that's the way that they want to play,
1: right? And it stands out because the Canucks haven't been involved in many of these. In fact, it was the game in Los Angeles was the first time all season that they had won with two or fewer goals when they won three to two in a shootout, and then did it the next night in Anaheim as well. But you know. <laughs> It, it wasn't effective for the Vancouver Canucks, but from a viewer and an analyst standpoint, a lot of those games at Bruce Boudreaux were fun. Uh, there was a lot going on. High event hockey. Uh, that was not the case in this one, but that's the way the Kings like it. And so there probably is a lesson here for Rick Talkett. And I remember when Vegas came in a couple of weeks ago and, uh, beat the Canucks, and after the game, all Rick Tockett could do was talk about the Vegas defense, like just looking over longingly at what <laughs> Vegas had on the back end. And here are the Canucks with their 15 defensemen this season. I'm sure Tockett looks over at that LA team tonight and appreciates just how they stick to the system, the way that they play, that line one and line four look and feel the same. Yeah. You know, again, Fiala it could be a game breaker. I wonder if they have enough top, top end talent to hang with all the big boys in the west but again they've come this far and here they are with 45 wins on the season so they've got a system that works for them and the lineup that they have they've got goaltending depth it's going to be really interesting to see who ultimately they choose to go with that's another storyline i think this year around the certainly around the west when you look at minnesota and the goaltending tandem that they have leaned on i think in edmonton they've settled on Stuart skinner now but vegas is Vegas has all these goaltenders. I don't know what they do, and then you got the Los Angeles Kings who are going to have a decision to make here about their starting goaltender. But I wonder too if one of the guys loses on opening night. You know, do they just go to the other guy? Like, is it just as simple as that? So well, something even, I'm going to be watching. During, like, once the playoffs,
0: yeah, end. even out east, like the Bruins are even talking about it with Swayman and Allmark. the The Leafs have essentially did it, but Matt Murray just always gets hurt and looks right. like he's down again tonight. Carolina's been doing it with three goalies. Yep. They got three there. So it's interesting. I I, I think we batted this around earlier this year, just talking about how, you know, depth and goal is such a key. And it's something that the Canucks just never really, you know, got on top of. They've always sort of transitioned into the next guy, but just having that sort of depth. So you kind of like to see what the the Canucks are doing right now with that signing that they had uh, uh, earlier uh, this week. But every
1: year, every year, people talk about is this the year they go to a platoon in this playoffs? And then, no. The answer is no. That coaches like to settle on one guy and have like. like when their... was the last
0: time a platoon happened? Like a flat out like 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 you're in minor hockey where this guy plays one game and it doesn't matter what happens because you know gotta be fair. The next guy plays the next game. Like <laughs> I don't think that's ever happened in at least in recent memory. That I, I know there's been ones where I mean, if you remember, Washington started the year they won the cup, who was the backup that year? And they ended up, he ended up getting it back. Right. But Phillip he didn't Grubauer start. Was, yeah,
1: it, it was Grubauer. Grubauer. That's right. That's right. Yeah. He had struggled and, down the stretch and they started with Grubauer and, and yeah. then they were down early on to Columbus and had to come back and ultimately uh, ran the table from that point. So, yeah, I mean, that's a, a good example. Uh And look, maybe we will see it, but I think if you get to the playoffs, it's sort of a win and you stay in kind of thing. Like you can't imagine True. a team is going to get up to nothing and then think, oh, we're going to give our guy a break and go to the other guy. But I think this year, maybe more than others, if a team loses, they feel comfortable enough coming back with a different look for the next game. So, yep. Could you imagine if here.
0: the Bruins just did that though? Like oh. all Mark Swayman, all Mark Swayman.
1: That's like Again, this is the big just, sort of screw you. We're toying totally, with everybody. Trolling. <laughs> yeah. No, that's all it would be. But they probably could be just <laughs> fine. Like,
0: uh, uh there's a tongue in cheek asking J. Ask J. Pat. I'll just read it. It's from B. Reynolds. He wants to know when I'm taking over or if I'm taking over for for Cheech. No. Although I would, if they want to ask me, I would love to do that, but no. Former goaltenders, both of you? Yes. One of them had a little bit more success than the other, but oh. no, I'm not taking over for teach. Uh, but if they do call, I'll, I'll, I'll definitely answer that one. All right. Uh, well, I, I, listen, we know who did something in this game for the LA Kings. Did you, did you find somebody from Vancouver? or What, what do you got tonight? Uh, of course, did something, a presentation of Jason Hominick at jason.mortgage.
1: Well, we we talked earlier about Alex Iofalo absolutely did a bunch of things. Uh, From a Canucks perspective, Besser scored their lone goal. So he's up to 17. He's holding the hot hand here. He's got goals in four of his last five. uh, Something, I suppose. That line did a fair bit as well. And Akito Hirose made his NHL debut. So, you know, uh, again, we're sort of scratching here because no Canuck really uh, did an awful lot in this hockey game. So I would say Ayafalo was the guy that uh, did the most. Did the most somethings, uh, you know, a couple of goals, and also uh, was the guy that was going to the net on that three-one uh, goal as well. Whatever the case, the Canucks got crowned by the Kings, and that's the hashtag that you need. And again, we're running out of time here. We've only got seven of these deduct uh, gift cards to give away. There's six more games to go, but we got this one tonight as well. So do yourself a favor. You take the hashtag crowned with the ed, not just crowned, crowned. Uh, that's what the Kings did to the Vancouver Canucks. And that's the hashtag you need to get in on the $25 gift card to BC's best breakfast at the Dutch as always did something presentation of Jason Hominick, Jason.mortgage. You don't want time to run out on you. Like time is running out on the Vancouver Canucks. We said they were mathematically eliminated. You don't want to be mathematically eliminated by the bank when it comes to a mortgage. So make sure that you got time on your side, do your homework and lean into the advice that a guy like Jason Hominick can provide. He's the expert. He's been at this for almost 30 years, and he wants to help you, the Rinkwide listener, save money. So start with a phone call. You can find his contact info on his website. Easy to use, easy to remember. Jason Hominick at jason.mortgage.
0: Now, Jason's got the advice for mortgages. I got the advice for the Dutch and how to win Easter. All right. We got two mm. hashtags that are out there right now. We got two more that are coming up this week. So, on Friday, we will announce four. So, you can improve your odds there if you get all four of those hashtags in to the GoGo go Sports inbox at seven seven eight four zero two ninety six eighty, 402 9680. And if you win one of those, you're the star on Easter Sunday. You go, you know what, guys? Let's go to the Dutch because uh, $25 of it's on me.
1: <laughs> there you go. I <laughs> there like <you> that. Go. <laughs> I like that strategy. Hey, just, just before we wrap things up here, I just want to take a, a moment myself. Uh, The news over this weekend of the passing of Red Robinson, uh, you probably saw uh, the legendary DJ. uh, He was one of my earliest inspirations to pursue a career in broadcast. And I just wanted to take a moment to acknowledge him and recognize him. Uh, His son, Jeff, was in my class growing up in grade school. And we obviously had an instant connection because we had the same name. And when I learned that his dad was this voice on the radio... Uh, I thought this was incredible. And over the years, as I sort of worked my way up and, you know, through Vancouver Radio, I would encounter Red from time to time. And he thought this was incredible that, you know, I didn't follow in his footsteps as a DJ, but the fact that i got into broadcasting and so i know that he had been looking out for me uh over the years and uh, i've got a photo of when he used to write a column for tv week and he mentioned that uh, you know it said something about i get a kick out of hearing jeff patterson reading the sports on CKMW uh because yeah like not only did i go to school with his son jeff but red was my little league coach one year as well and so here's this big you know famous voice on the radio uh but when he wasn't On the radio, he was coaching kids in in Little League Baseball and uh, just some great memories all these years later. Now, his son, Jeff, passed away way too early, like in his late teens, uh, suffered from Crohn's and colitis. And uh, I saw a lot of tributes over the weekend about uh, Red. You know, reunited with his wife, Carol, who passed away a few years ago, but uh, also their son, Jeff, uh, who had passed away many years ago. So, uh, yeah, I just uh, thank you for allowing me to uh, indulge uh, for a moment here, uh, just to take a moment to reflect on Red Robinson and what he had meant, uh, obviously, to the city, but uh, to me personally. And so uh, sad to see him pass away at the age of 86.
0: Yeah, broadcast legend, definitely. Um, When he was filling out that lineup card... Did he know that you only had one T? Because I noticed that when he uh, shouted you out there in the print there, it was two yeah.
1: T's. So, you know, maybe you just it let happens. it slide. He, he's not the uh, not the first, not the last, certainly, to uh, misspell. Uh, I don't know. He just he penciled me in at shortstop. That's where I wanted there to play. And was uh, I was happy to be a middle infielder for him all those years ago. And one quick story is I remember uh, he promised to our team that if we won the Little League Championship when he was the coach, that he would read the roster on the air on CKWX, and here we were a group of like eight, nine year olds. And at that point already, I kind of had an interest in in broadcasting. And I thought, really, like you're going to announce my name on the radio? And sure enough, we won the championship. And the next morning on CKWX, he read off name by name. Uh, I think we were the Dodgers way back then, and uh, rattle off the the roster of the little league champs. So uh, cool memory back in the day, and and still something that uh, I remember all these years later. You didn't go to like a world little league world series, did you? I did not. No, okay, no, 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 no. <laughs> this was this was like our own association championship. That's as far as say. we got.
0: Yeah, I was going to no. say because I run a men's league team here, and you know, you've been holding out on me. I want to get you on the team. Here, you're a wizard at shortstop. There, a young Aussie Smith, if you will. All right. Well, the Canucks uh, lose another one this time, four-one to the L.A. Kings and uh, L.A. Now, uh, well, trying to win that Pacific Division, the Canucks, we know will not win the Pacific Division, and they will not make the playoffs as it's official. They are mathematically eliminated. This has been another edition of the Rinkwide Vancouver Podcast presented by Bodog for Jeff Patterson. I'm Andrew Wadden. Remember, Rinkwide is the show that always scores.